Hello and welcome to Potter Not, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. We are Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan, and I do apologize for my voice today. I am ill. I am Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a fan in crisis. I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I'm a maybe future fan. And today we're going to talk through three chapters of Rising Action. Yeah. We are going to talk about uh, Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about Mirror of Erised, Nicholas Flamel, and Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. Three very short and very packed chapters. Yeah, there's so many things that happen in those. There's so many things that happen. And we end on a cliffhanger. This is almost exactly 30 pages of text in, in my book. Yeah, it's a little more in the American edition, but not a lot. It's dense stuff. It's dense stuff. We're also going to talk a little bit more specifically about Mirab Erised and Nicholas Flamel. We will also look at uh, an adorable Tumblr post that both Adela and I (laughs) (laughs) are such big fans of. And we're probably not going to talk through too much overarching plot because this is very much rising action set up for the final three chapters as we dive towards the climax. Yes, obviously Adela and Zoe know what's coming. I do do not. (laughs) (laughs) and from reading these chapters i definitely get the sense that like there are a lot of holes that are just about to be filled in yes i would love for you to live discord chat us your reactions (gasps) to (laughs) okay especially the final chapter but i would say the end of through the chap door and the start through middle of the man with two faces, I think are going to be like the big ones. I will will do this. Remind me to do this. All right. Shall we dive in? E, what are your thoughts on these three chapters? Should we start with Christmas? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) both Adela and E were like, well, do you want to talk about this holiday that you hate? Are you sure? Because I'm sick. Um, And my co-hosts are wonderful, amazing people. And yes, I'm a total Grinch and a Jew. (laughs) And I sort of (laughs) have a distaste for Christmas as it's been shoved down my throat for all of my 29 years. I'm not a huge fan of American Christmas, but I love the descriptions of Christmas in these books. Yeah. They are cozy, they're homey, they're wonderful, mm-hmm. they're full of like laughter and friends and like great descriptions of like twinkly lights and people having fun. Yeah. Yeah, this is very much not the American hyper-capitalist songs on the radio and worrying yeah. about shopping. This is very much... um what I wish Christmas was like for me, which Mm -hmm. is just like you have this massive lunch with friends and you open up gifts and you eat way too much. And it's just so wonderful. Everything's decorated pretty. Yeah, it's sort of the platonic ideal of Christmas. It really is. Yeah, so we start with Christmas and we start with, we should talk about Harry getting gifts. Yeah, I love that moment very much. So this chapter starts with the sort of framing that Harry, as well as the Weasleys and an unspecified number of other students, stay at Hogwarts over Christmas holiday Mm -hmm. for various reasons. Harry just doesn't want to and isn't welcome to go home. Although he does get a surprisingly generous gift from the Dursleys. (laughs) They mailed him 50 cents. Yeah, I don't know how much 50 pence actually converts to, but it sure is not a lot. That's the nicest gift they give him throughout all of the books. I remember some of the other ones and they're just like... (laughs) Yeah, no, it's great. Malfoy is also there over Christmas? Um, 
No. He was making fun of the people that have to stay for Christmas. Because they don't yes. have families to go home to. Yeah. Harry says, you know, would you, would you look at this? I've got presents. And Ron says, what'd you expect? Turnips? Um, <laughs> which, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Are turnips a thing that you get in the UK it, rather than coal? You get turnips? <laughs> no, I think they're just not particularly <laughs> desired. <laughs> they're just not tasty and not good-looking vegetables. <laughs> um, Ron's pile is bigger than Harry's, and that will be an ongoing theme. But Harry is so grateful for everything that he, he ever is. Yeah. Our he boy. gets presents from Hagrid and from Mrs. Weasley and from Dumbledore. Yeah, we don't quite know that it's from Dumbledore. Well, technically. yeah. I guess it's strongly implied. By the end of the chapter. Yeah. And technically from Vernon and Petunia. We received your message and enclosed your Christmas mm-hmm. present from Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia. Taped to the note was a 50 pence piece. Which he gave to Ron. Yeah, he gave it to Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Love to re-gift from family you don't like. God, he does that more than once. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets his first sweater. Yeah. yeah. I love all of his sweaters that he gets every year. They are wonderful. Also and- homemade fudge, which would, for oh, me, God, yeah. be the absolute ideal Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Noted. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mental note. <laughs> hint, hint. Harry gets some sort of gift of food and some sort of sweater from Mrs. Weasley every year and it's so wonderful and the sweaters feature fairly heavily in fan fiction yes i am well aware of the sweaters they're such wonderful gift and a very relatable gift for people who don't have a lot of means to buy presents yes yeah something homemade my mom almost every year gives me and my brother something homemade yeah. I love getting homemade gifts. Like when we were young, it was like we had a lot of stuffed animals. So it would be like clothes or accessories Aww. or dolls and stuffed animals, or it would be homemade clothes. That's really nice. Yeah. You know, stuff like uh, she does a lot of cross stitch, stuff to hang on the walls. Nice. Handmade stuff is definitely the best gifts. Yeah. In my opinion, it really is. And I think for Ron's family, and you meet all of them. Um, over the course of the books, but you really see them in book two, at the start of book two. And mm-hmm. I guess when we get to the start of book two, we'll talk about wizard ec- economics. Um, yeah. Because I have some thoughts about their house. Oh, good. But because you can like replicate and duplicate things like yarn, it makes sense, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see what Ron's presents are this year. We know that the Weasleys all get sweaters. And Ron's is always maroon, which clashes horribly with his hair. <laughs> and we we see like you know lovely christmas things jkr has the things that she's very good at and the things that she's not very good at one of the things that she's very good at are scenes like this between harry and ron and also scenes like where she's talking about food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i get the same feeling from her descriptions of feasts and the christmas feasts in particular but all feasts that i do from reading redwall, redwall. Mm-hmm. yes <laughs> i knew yeah. you were say that <laughs> isn't there a twitter bot that Yes. Just post Redwall food. <laughs> it's called Redwall Feasts, and I love it. But I get the exact same feeling from JKR's descriptions of yeah. food. Even though, like, the food is not as luscious and it's not as, as perfectly described, that hominess feeling is something that she's yeah. very good at evoking. Apparently there were enough people there for Christmas to warrant a hundred turkeys. 
yeah. But I mean, maybe that's just exaggeration from Harry's perspective. I think it does say like about a hundred turkeys. It could just yeah. be Harry exaggerating in his mind because he's never seen this much food at once. Yes. I would like to point out one of the first moments that I talked about last time we were talking about McGonagall and that awful backstory that was made up for her is when Harry is watching oh, yes. Hagrid and McGonagall yeah. flirt. Yeah, oh. there's a really Harry cute Harry watched moment. Hagrid getting redder and redder in the face as he called for more wine, finally kissing Professor McGonagall on the cheek, who, to Harry's amazement, giggled and blushed, her top hat lopsided. That's so sweet. It's so sweet. I assume most or all of the Hogwarts faculty stay yes yeah they all stay you know the the childhood idea that your teachers live at the school (laughs) yep all of these teachers live at the school this is true (laughs) 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 meanwhile uh hagrid accidentally gave away nicholas flamel at the end of the previous chapter we talked last time so they're doing some research but let's talk about the mirror of erised Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Harry uses his newfound invisibility cloak to try and sneak into the dark section of the library, gets busted, almost, and while escaping, finds the Mirror said, which is something I am deeply familiar with from cultural osmosis. <laughs> Do you know the, the thing where you read it backwards? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it's the mirror of desire. Erised yeah, is, it is desire. So clear. Also yes. the inscription, which is just a sentence backwards with some spacing. Yep. Yeah. Put in different places. I love it. <laughs> it is fantasy ass fantasy writing. Yep. <laughs> and I love it. Can we talk about the depressing thing that he sees? Yeah. You know the most depressing part of this that I had never realized before? What? He has to puzzle out that these are his parents. Yes. Yes. Yep. He doesn't recognize them because he's never seen a picture of them. He doesn't know what his parents look like until this moment. He is 11. Yeah. So sad. It's so sad. And he lived with family. It would make more sense if he had been in an orphanage or whatever. No. Yeah, like the Dursleys never showed him any pictures. No. Yeah. And not just his parents, but extended family as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. The, the description says at least 10 people. This is a description of, of Lily. She was a very pretty woman. She had dark red hair and her eyes. Her eyes are just like mine, Harry thought, edging a little closer to the glass. Bright green, exactly the same shape. But then he noticed that she was crying, smiling, but crying at the same time. The tall, thin, black-haired man standing next to her put his arm around her. He wore glasses, and his hair was very untidy. It stuck up at the back, just as Harry's did. Harry was so close to the mirror now that his nose was nearly touching that of his reflection. Mom, he whispered. Dad? Ah, uh, my heart. I know. <laughs> this poor my boy. Heart. I'm going to cry two episodes in a row. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, gosh, this this scene and it it's a long scene. I love this scene. This is a moment where I also love Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about Ron in a second, but we should talk about Dumbledore because mm-hmm. he goes back yeah. a couple nights later. He's totally obsessed with the mirror. Yeah, he goes three times that we see. And he goes back again, and he's literally just, like, sitting on the floor. Yeah. And looking at this mirror. Yeah. When Dumbledore... Well, I guess he says that he, he doesn't need an invisibility cloak to be invisible, but I always thought that Harry just w- walked past him because he wasn't... Because Dumbledore is just sitting on a desk. In later books, he just says that there's a charm called the disillusionment charm that makes you... That's how he turns invisible. Yeah, yeah. and he apparently has a... Uh, a strong enough charm that he doesn't need an invisibility cloak, but also Harry is clearly just so obsessed with this mirror that he just walked right past. Yeah. And Dumbledore says, what is 
probably the most, if not the second most, quoted line in the entirety yes. of the seven books. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Um, something which, unfortunately, Harry again and again forgets. Yeah. Maybe because Dumbledore left him with an abusive family. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. Um, <laughs> this is one of those things where I think this is actually an editor thing and not how J.K.R. writes. Because later on in the books, when they edit her less, when she's mm-hmm. clearly a best-selling author, there mm-hmm. are scenes that she really lets breathe. There's a particular one in St. Mungo's book five that I'm thinking of, a couple in book three, where she understands, like, she's not a great writer, but she's a good writer. Mm-hmm. And if the editors let her, there are ways that she has of letting scenes sort of breathe and be. And every time Harry's in front of this mirror, I feel that. Yeah. Where yeah. she is yeah. letting it happen. This is very strong writing. While we're still on the subject of Dumbledore, I want to send you my absolute favorite illustration from the first illustrated book. Oh, that's right. Oh, we'll have to tweet this out. We'll tweet this um, when we release the episode. Yeah, there we go. <gasps> yes. Uh... I have seen this. That's before. really nice. I love it so much. God, Harry looks so small. It looks like a mixed media painting, colored pencil drawing of Harry sitting cross-legged on the floor looking down. And Dumbledore is seated cross-legged also right next to him and looking very fondly at Harry. Yeah, this is a very caring... Like, this is the first time we see Dumbledore being sincere rather than just, like, silly. Yeah, I think there's maybe one line that's sincere at the very, very beginning when they're dropping Harry off, but like even then. Let's talk briefly about Ron. This is going to be a running thing. Yeah, I wrote, I don't know what you want to talk about. Go for it. I I wrote down a thing, just friends taking care of each other, even at age 11. Mm. Ron is like asking Harry, like, why aren't you eating anything? Are you all right? When Harry's obsessed with the mirror. And I just think that is so sweet and important to remember that Ron, he loves his friends so much. And sometimes he doesn't show it the best way throughout the books, but... And he wants to meet Harry's family. Yeah. Like, that's the reason he goes. Yeah. Yes. I completely agree. I also love Ron. This child with an emotional range of a teaspoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think his Mirror of Erised scene is really important to keep in mind. So what Ron sees is himself being... Quidditch champion. And head boy. And captain and whatever. Captain, yeah. All of the things that his brothers are. Yes. This is something that comes back in really book four and then very strongly in book five and books five and on, really. But I think this is the episode where I talk about how JKR sometimes gets things right. Because I think (laughs) that this is a really realistic description of like a large family and what happens to siblings who are in a large family. Yeah. Especially siblings on the very young end. On the young end in a poor family. When Ron is first introduced, he's got his brother's old wand. He's got his yeah. brother's old rat. Everything he owns is a hand-me-down. Yes. Nothing yeah. he can do will ever be better than what his brothers have done. So he yeah. sees himself having all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Very big young sibling energy. And then on top of that, his best friend is the most famous child of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> and his other best friend is literally the, the smartest witch, witch in her grade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Ron is just Ron. And Ron is just Ron. I think that you see that change in this book. You get both ends of what Ron can do in this book. And that's something to keep in mind as you enter into the last three chapters. Mm-hmm. Because there's, there's something very exciting that happens. Yes. It is really well drawn as a character especially this moment. So 
I thought I thought I should point that out and keep it in mind. Yeah, it's very good. Do we want to talk about the Mira Vera said Pottermore page? Yeah, let's touch that. It's pretty short. It's very short. Again, again, I will ask, what is the canon to fanfiction ratio? I mean, it's pretty much just canon. It just says other than other than it just saying like maybe a teacher brought it at some point. For me, it it just reads like a like a fan wiki page, which is mm-hmm, fine. Yeah, like I'm fine with it. I think the actually the really interesting sentence here is the mirror of Erised is one of those magical artifacts that seems to have been created in a spirit of fun whether innocent or malevolent is a matter of opinion because while it is much more revealing than a normal mirror it is interesting rather than useful that is a question i was going to ask like is there a reading like i don't know if and when this comes back is there a reading that the mirror of Erised is a sinister well that's kind of what dumbledore is implying yeah yeah it it is i mean dumbledore's sort of implying the too much of a good thing yeah he's more talking about the human reaction rather than the thing itself but it feels almost like this is being set up as an explicitly sinister object i will say that it is not but it can be used as such yes i agree with that and i like this is really episode where i think that jkr did a good job i really (laughs) like this sentence i think that this is a really useful background sentence in that whether it's innocent or malevolent is a matter of opinion. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That tracks with what we know of the wizarding world. And the reasoning behind why she said that it was created for quote-unquote fun and that it's interesting rather than useful gives a really great piece of insight into how witches and wizards think about yeah. objects. A lot of magic is done because it's interesting and they want to experiment with stuff and they want to, like, play. Yeah. It's very much play. Yeah, absolutely. Which is very much in keeping with the world building we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Because everything is nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the very final sentence is also like, the mirror is bewitching and tantalizing, but it does not necessarily bring happiness. Great uses of the words bewitching and tantalizing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, re- I'm just, I'm, I'm up on JKR today, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day. Apparently. This chapter is very strong. It really is. Mm-hmm. It made me more sad and also mm-hmm. was better written than I remember it. Yeah. So, also, Dumbledore wants socks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Dumbledore is me. The last little bit is a thing to keep in mind in the very distant future when we read yes. book seven. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Actually, bookmark the Mirror of Erised page as well because there's a sentence in the JKR's thoughts paragraph that will come back in book seven as well. Yes. Excellent. All right. All right. Chapter Let's talk about 13. Dumbledore's Nicholas friend. Flamel. Nicholas Flamel. So this is why you wanted me to keep yeah. the chocolate frog card in mind. So did you remember it when they started talking about Nicholas Flamel when Hagrid mentioned him? Absolutely not. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Do most people... No. No. <laughs> okay. That's the point. But it was good foreshadowing. Yeah, when that chocolate frog card is introduced, it's right after the Diagon Alley chapter where just so much bullshit yes. is thrown <laughs> at the wall that in the midst of all the spaghetti, I did not <laughs> recognize that any of it was anything I should remember in my mind. Yeah. And Harry keeps saying, I think I've read it somewhere before. And, and you're like, I think I've read it somewhere too, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, just before Harry sees the chocolate frog card again, I would like to issue a correction for our previous episode. <laughs> a day like you and I were wrong. It's not oh, book yes. five. Yes, I know, right? It's this book. I also had that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. And I was like, hold on. He does actually get into a fist fight for similar reasons in book five. 
Yes. It's almost okay. exactly the same scene as you get later in this. Yeah. But it makes a little bit more sense for an 11-year-old to be saying, I'm worth 12 of you, than for a 15-year-old to say that. <laughs> <laughs> There's some Quidditch here. I don't know if we need to go into it. It's a good game. Harry wins very fast. And yep. Snape is the ref. Harry Perfect. wins. It's great. Long bottom. <laughs> I'm worth 12 of you, Malfoy. I love him. He's trying very hard. It's so cute. Also, right before the reading the chocolate frog card, I just had another note of child friends taking care of each other. Giving someone your pocket chocolate when they're sad is so cute. All these 11-year-olds running around taking care of each other. So Neville had to hop all the way to the common room because he got hit by a leg locker curse by Malfoy. Hey. And, like, Hermione undoes it. Why aren't the 11-year-olds learning curses? (laughs) Technically, they're all charms. <laughs> this is a discussion we had in the Discord, but all in spoiler text so you couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, as far as we can tell, things are broken up into, is it a charm? Is it a transfiguration spell? Or is I it also, potion? There's also a good post about this, which yeah. explains it, uh, which I can link if you want right now. It's very short. It literally yeah, just has three lines. It, it might just be fan speculation but i mean so i understand that things are categorized as charms however they are also curses so this is a post by general grievous dating sim um, on tumblr god bless tumblr for the last time a jinx is benign dark magic used to inconvenience or discomfort the victim a hex is used to wish bad luck or ill intentions on the victim a curse is designed to cause direct harm to the victim i will not be saying this again (laughs) and then someone wrote minerva mcgonagall ghost wrote this post it's true Um, I will say all of those are considered to be charms. Here's as far as I can tell, not to get too much into the theory of magic, but as far as I can tell, a charm is something that affects something short-term and transfiguration is something that affects something long-term. So I don't know. I think a vanishing is because you can bring it back, a charm, in the same way that making, like Dumbledore makes chairs appear sometimes so he can sit on them. Like, that's also short-term because you can make it disappear. But when you transfigure something, you are essentially, this is going to make a disgusting sentence, but temporarily, permanently change it, right? Like, you are (laughs) permanently changing that thing until you decide otherwise. Yes, you are changing Um, the essence of that thing. Exactly. So I think it falls into either charm or transfiguration or potion, which is a totally different thing, but sometimes you have to And a curse is when you, like, physically cause... Harm to somebody well, else. Harm that is, or like, it could be permanent. Could be permanent. Like the leg locker curse is not permanent. No, but it's and, permanent but it until is a charm. reversed. Yeah, it is permanent until reversed, and it is it is technically a charm. They do take defense against the dark arts, so I assume that they are learning very basic self defense skills, which would make sense to have the leg locker one because that's not actually like injuring the person. Right. It's right. Yeah, in the same way that you learn to like, what's that? The acronym SING is solar plexus, instep, nose, groin. And it's all the places to hit. Yeah. That's like the first thing that you learn. And if you hit anybody in any of those areas with any amount of force, it's going to stop them in some capacity. Please don't try this at home. (laughs) Please learn self-defense from a registered person. You can try the leg locker curse. (laughs) You can try the leg locker curse. Go nuts. (laughs) Um, please don't punch your friends in the solar plexus you can seriously damage someone but this feels like yeah like jelly legs leg locker petrificus totalis like that seems like the sort of entry level just stop whoever's hurting you very quickly 
That makes sense. But yeah, poor Neville had to hop all the way to the common room, and then Hermione undoes the curse, and Harry gives him a pocket chocolate, and it's very cute. It is very cute. And then we find out who Nicholas Flamel is. Yeah, he's Dumbledore's friend, and an alchemist. Yeah. Yeah, and then Harry wins a great Quidditch match that's brilliantly written. I actually just think these chapters are very well written. It's fine. Oh, I was just going to say the, the Pottermore page for Nicholas Flamel is very short. Yeah. It's just J.K. Rowling's thoughts, which is nice. Yeah. It just it gives you some actual historical notes about the real Nicholas Flamel, which is fun. And then also a, a dream that J.K.R. had. <laughs> yeah, I like that. There are a lot of books where authors will say that real people were something from their book um, or whatever this is one that I really like with Nicholas Flamel because I didn't know who Nicholas Flamel was when I first read the books and then I later learned that he was a real person it was like really exciting for me yeah whereas I don't know there's other examples where it's just not well done in other books it's not writing a three-page unnecessary backstory like the McGonagall page (laughs) yeah exactly in the same way that McGonagall's name history like it just made sense and it was funny and it was fun like worst scottish poet and you know goddess of wisdom that's like yeah gotcha that's all (laughs) i needed this little bit about her dream also is like yeah okay like that's great now i know why this is in here like this is cute yeah this is cute i feel like there we might want to put a bookmark in associations between judaism and mysticism yeah i because um, so one of the sentences on this Flamel page is Nicholas Flamel was a real person, etc. He bought a mysterious book called The Book of Abraham the Jew, which was full of strange symbols and which Flamel realized were instructions on alchemy. The, so I will say this is, I believe, the only time that this comes up in this context. You don't really hear about alchemy again in yeah. these books. Okay. But yes, this is a reference to Kabbalah, which is mm-hmm. the mystic branch of Judaism and which is fetishized by non-Jews and also some Jews, depending on a variety of things. It is very popular in the north of Israel, especially in the town of Svat, S-V-A-T, which is a very strange place uh, for a variety of political reasons. But it is really, really complex and has a huge following in the West mm-hmm. um, that is like very disconnected from its roots. Yeah, a lot of medieval Renaissance alchemy, especially among Christians in Europe, was like heavily influenced or stolen from Jewish mysticism. I did not yes. know that. That is very interesting. Yeah, alchemy and associated things is... It's very closely tied to Kabbalah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I will point out that in this case, it's actually just relating a book that she read rather than her own opinion. Yes. At least there's that. It seems like it's not going to be a thing. It's not going to be a thing. In the way that goblins are a thing. Goblins will continue to be a thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, so we find out that the MacGuffin is the Philosopher's Stone. That's yeah, we find out the MacGuffin here. is the Philosopher's Stone, which again, in the American editions is the Sorcerer's Stone, which is not a thing, but they changed it. I don't know why. Because... <laughs> American children can't understand the word philosopher. Obviously. Um, (laughs) And we see Snape threaten Quirrell. But more importantly, Durgans. Dragons! Dragons! (laughs) Dragons! (laughs) (laughs) My only note for this chapter is, I love Norbert, I love Hagrid, and I love Charlie. This is a really cute chapter. This chapter chapter. (laughs) has the same energy as, like, episode 13 of a CW show. Yes! <laughs> where, like... This is a backdoor pilot for Charlie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Hagrid and Charlie show. 
I love how Charlie receives a letter from his little 11-year-old brother that's like, can you come pick up a baby dragon from school? And he's like, okay, I'm going to fly from Romania and just do that (laughs) at midnight. It's fine. (laughs) Like, who are these friends of Charlie's who are like, yeah, no problem. I'll pick up an illegal dragon on the way to visit you in Romania. Like, no big deal. It's like, who are you? And how do I become friends with these people who just trust you that much implicitly and are cool with carrying an illegal animal? Oh, it's great. <laughs> Romania, even in European terms. That's far. It's very far away from Scotland. Maybe they just fly into Hogwarts and then they take a train or something. We get a very cute bit about Hermione and exam revisions. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do they have exams at age 11 in England or is this just a Hogwarts thing? Oh, so I was talking to, I think we're going to bring in my Slytherin friend in book two, which is Slytherin heavy is what I'll say. But she is British and she was saying, because we were talking about Snape on the drive to work. She was saying that like, she didn't think she was as bothered by Snape in the way that I was and the way that you became, Adela, because this is just like an archetype from British boarding school literature. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's that makes some sense. That there is a teacher that is just horrible. <laughs> There's always the like the horrible teacher. My yeah. understanding of British school systems is that they put much more weight on end of year exams than yeah. American schools do, and continuing into un- university, where American schools tend to have more lesser weight exams throughout the year, and then maybe a final, um, depending on the class, and much more in high school than in. And British schools often have like a above fifty percent final exam yeah sometimes 100 percent final very heavily weighted toward the final exam again any british listeners please correct us yeah that is my understanding yeah i am still looking for this spot where they send a letter it's yeah here we go 173 it's like two paragraphs before the response page 236 in the american it just says that like in the end, Hagrid agreed that they could send an owl to Charlie to ask him. But, like, this letter that he gets back, I'm just going to read it. Dear Ron, how are you? Thanks for the letter. I'd be glad to take the Norwegian Ridge back, but it won't be easy getting him here. I think the best thing will be to send him over with some friends of mine who are coming to visit me next week. Trouble is, they must be, mustn't be seen carrying an illegal dragon. Can you get the Ridge back up to the tallest tower at midnight on Saturday? They can meet you there and take him away while it's still dark. Send me an answer as soon as possible. Love, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. So matter of fact... Please hey, how break old is Charlie? Every rule. Charlie's the second oldest. Yeah, Bill's the oldest. Let's see. Percy's like Percy is Percy. Percy's a fifth year. Yes, he's a fifth year. And Charlie probably just graduated. Charlie's probably like twenty. No, I think he's like eighteen. Yeah. Okay. He's eighteen or nineteen, <laughs> and Bill is nineteen or twenty. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So it's just like, please take this illegal dragon, sneak him through the school, which you're not supposed to do. Take him up to the tallest tower, which you definitely shouldn't be in. And my friends who are coming on holiday will come and bring this illegal dragon illegally across <laughs> borders to me in, in Romania. <laughs> be Charlie, do crimes. Yeah, be Charlie, do crimes. Be Charlie, encourage crimes. Be encourage Charlie, crimes. encourage crimes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we get a lot of very cute stuff with Hagrid being mm-hmm. very yeah. attached to this little dragon. Yes. Which is very sweet. He knows his mummy. He knows his mummy. <laughs> By biting him. Yep. <laughs> uh, McGonagall wears a tartan dressing gown. Yep. <laughs> it's definitely her family tartan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But specifically, Ooh. it's 
Harry and Hermione who take the dragon because Ron got bitten by yes. Norbert and is in the hospital wing. Yes. Yep. It was just a dog, Madame Pomfrey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Madame Pomfrey. She must yep. see so much shit. Um, this is the first of at least four times total that Ron is left out of a fairly major operation. Um, and two of them are in this book. Mm. Specifically because he's in the hospital? In three of them, yeah. Uh, two of which are in this <laughs> book and Ron. one of which is in book three. It's just something that I, I think is really interesting. And I think that there's something to be said for pairing Harry and Hermione. Uh, it doesn't happen as often as I would like it to. And I enjoy it when it does happen. Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just a very strong sibling, sibling friendship, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah. And which Harry voices later on in the books um, mm-hmm. where he's like, yeah, Hermione's like my sister. And like, you really, really feel that. And you don't get to see it very often with the two of them just alone because Harry's always with Ron. And so as much as it's like a little funny that Ron gets left behind at specific moments, it's also really nice to see Harry and Hermione together. And in the movies, that's not true. Ron is with them at this point. Gotcha. It does not appear that McGonagall has a clan tartan. I have been doing research. (laughs) That's so disappointing. There should at least be a Fanon. Yeah, it's probably one of the ones that's under the umbrella of of like a a bigger family, a bigger clan, which I don't, I will see if I can find that. Continue. (laughs) But Malfoy and Neville are also caught because Malfoy saw the dragon. Wait, Neville? Yep. Yeah. Sorry, did I give something away from next chapter? Sorry. Yes, I did. It's the beginning of the next chapter. Oh, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Neville is also there. And in the films, it's Malfoy and the Golden Trio. And in the books for the next chapter, it's Malfoy, Harry, Hermione, and Neville, which I think is actually a much more interesting quartet. Yeah. Given what we've seen so far, that's a very interesting set of characters. Do you think McGonagall knows what's going on? No. With the dragon? No. I genuinely don't think so. No. Not at all. Uh, I almost get the the feeling here that she's like covering for these stupid kids oh. by getting Draco out of the way. Yeah, yeah I don't think so. No, it <laughs> would be nice. Norbert destroys the teddy bear that they put in there, which I think is very funny. But I think the very last line of this chapter, which is the cliffhanger that I warned you about, I have to cover the next page with my bookmark so that I don't accidentally read it. It's on the left page for me. Oh, no. Yeah, mine's a page turn, which is much better. So no more dragon, Malfoy in detention. What could spoil their happiness? The answer to that was waiting at the foot of the stairs. As they stepped into the corridor, Filch's face loomed suddenly out of the darkness. Well, 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 he whispered. We are in trouble. They'd left the invisibility cloak on the top of the tower. so easy for me to read those lines in the voice of the actor who plays Filch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The actor who plays Filch does an incredible job. Yeah, it's amazing. Especially in that line. I cannot wait to watch this movie. It's very good. It's um, not very good. (laughs) Hey, I like the first movie. This is our first recording after American Thanksgiving, and I was just home at my parents' house. My dad, unbeknownst to me, has also been reading the Harry Potter series Aww. for the Did first time. Uh, Did you talk well, to him about it? I sort of did, but he's on book five. Oh. Or, or, or <laughs> oh, he's no. read them all and he had the fifth movie. And I had to very awkwardly explain why I didn't want to watch the fifth <laughs> movie with him while I was at home. 
What was his reaction? I ended up saying, like, I'm reading it with some friends and we're going very yeah. slowly and I'm only on the first book. And he accepted that. Okay, good. <laughs> but it was very funny just to see, like, just yeah. to, to see that laying around in the house and being like, oh, I can't touch this. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Excellent. But yes, we end on a cliffhanger. They've gotten caught. They have gotten real. caught. For, so for next time, we'll probably talk about Filch. We'll almost definitely talk about Filch. But we're going to talk about Charlie for a second. Yes, okay. let's talk about Charlie. <laughs> we're going to talk about this great Tumblr post. So this is a long thread. Yeah, we're not going to read the whole thing. Many different contributors. But I'll read the very first post, which spawned the whole thing. So this is from Brave Remus. Whenever Hagrid finally decides to retire, as Care of Magical Creatures pr- Professor, you can bet your last nut that Charlie Nut spelled K-N-U-T, not coin. Yes. <laughs> that Charlie Weasley flies back to England the following week, excitedly waving his resume and recommendation letters from no less than two Scamanders and the Minister of Magic, Hermione Granger. Um, and then it goes through that, like, Hagrid, Harry, the boy who lived, one very confusing letter from Oliver Wood, a Puddle Mirror United player, would also <laughs> provide that... references. And then someone says that, of course, Charlie doesn't fly in on a broomstick. He flies in on a dragon. Hello, hire me. <laughs> Hello, hire me. <laughs> and of course, somebody points out that, of course, it wouldn't just be any dragon. It would be a Norwegian Ridgeback that immediately uncurls itself. Um, from Charlie and curls itself around Hagrid's cabin and uh, Hagrid bursts into joyful sobs. He remembers his mummy after all these years and Charlie points out her name is Norberta actually. She had three clutches of babies and Hagrid freaks out about being a grandma. And it's Very pure and sweet. It's very very good. Also you do find out in book four that Norbert is actually Norberta. That's like a real canon fact. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They are more vicious because they tend to protect their nests. Yeah. Understandable. (laughs) It's a great post. This is one of those wonderful, just like silly headcanon, like fandom just enjoying being ridiculous together and like loving the story and loving to play with it, which I just love so much. It's great. And it's, you know, fitting in with the theme of today, which is just pure, like well-written joy. Yeah. All these things are feasible. Yeah. And fun. Like this would be, if... The author had written this. I would be okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I had seen this on a Pottermore page, I'd be like, all right. Yeah. That's fun. It's fun. I love Charlie. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I can't wait to meet Charlie. Yeah, and that's what we read for today. It was three very short chapters. Yeah. Ooh. I was going to say, we did intentionally skip over a lot of the, like, plot Yes. advancement yes. that's happening here because it... this will be a short episode the next episode will not be short <laughs> I don't want to say that this will be a short episode <laughs> hey we've been going for less than an hour yeah I think it would be fun to talk about what we would do on our holiday break at Hogwarts let me put it this way just to start with what's your favorite um, holiday tradition related to you know, Christmas the winter or time. winter time. Um, Hitting mute on every commercial. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably like, making I know... latkes, right? Like, I'm, I'm Jewish. Uh, Hanukkah is not a religious yeah. holiday, um, but it is a cultural holiday. And I have celebrated it basically all of my life. When I remember, I r- will order a box of handmade 
beeswax, uh, <laughs> pro-Palestine BDS candles from a particular place called Narrow Bridge Candles. Highly recommend them and use them in my Hanukkiah because a menorah is seven branched and a Hanukkiah has nine. Okay. Didn't mm. know that. Yeah. Menorah is just like a generic term for a branched candelabra and the Hanukkiah is what you use on Hanukkah and it has the eight on the sides and the single in the middle. Cool. And I enjoy lighting the candles generally at some point over the course of whenever Hanukkah falls, I will get together with friends and make latkes and it's always a big to do. You know, you're like hand grating or putting through the food processor like five pounds of potatoes and squeezing them and waiting for the starch to settle and then pouring off the water and gathering like, it's just a, it's a big operation and it's very messy and you end up smelling like fried food and it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then you just like eat your fill of potatoes and (laughs) applesauce and sour cream. It's just, it's a lovely thing. When just once I think, my dad tried to make sufganiyot, which is the other traditional fried food for Hanukkah. It's fried donuts filled with mm. jelly and dusted with powdered sugar um, or rolled in uh, granulated sugar, depending on uh, what kind you're making. But like Hanukkah is all about frying things. And so I have very, very fond memories of like the holiday <laughs> season with like lights up and and the candles going and just like grating potatoes and laughing with friends. <laughs> it's, um, it's a very fond memory Yay. Uh, there. Nice. So. I would uh, go down to the Hogwarts kitchens and I would teach the house elves how to make latkes. That's what I would be doing. also is food related. There's a lot of um, cookies and confections that Mm. my family exclusively makes at Christmas, including the sort of ubiquitous candy that's a pretzel with a chocolate kiss and Mm M&M and melted. Those are always a delight. There's something that is called a Russian tea cake. I don't know if it's actually from Russia, but it's like powdered walnuts and flour and stuff rolled up and baked, covered with powdered sugar. Those are super good. Homemade fudge some years. Uh, Lots of cookies. It's just, I love Christmas baking. What about you, Adela? I think my favorite is just putting up a Christmas tree and like this is the first year that I've had a Christmas tree in like two or three years and now I've moved my because I've I usually sit in my bedroom most of the time whenever whatever I'm doing when I'm just like relaxing but now I've moved to the armchair beside the Christmas tree because I just like being in the light of the Christmas tree which is really nice but on the note of food my grandma makes every year she makes scalloped potatoes she makes the best scalloped potatoes ever. And she also makes, and I can't remember how to pronounce it in Flemish. My grandma's from Belgium. But she makes red cabbage um, with, uh, it always has like raisins in it and a bunch of other stuff. But it's really, really good. And I wish sort I could remember like what it's called in Flemish. Sort of like a type salad? But it's, it's, it's hot. Like it's oh, cooked. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's cooked and it's, it's really good. really good. What is it called? I'm thinking of a Flemish word, but I think it's a different word. I don't think it's the thing that I'm thinking of. <laughs> I will ask her and get back to you <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, it's really good. And I'm excited to have that in a couple of weeks. She only makes it at Christmas time. So That sounds wonderful. Yeah. We can pretty much wrap up. I, I think these are well-written, well-edited, well-constructed chapters that are mostly rising action. And also a lot happens that tells you just tells you more about each of the characters. This isn't the type of rising action where I cannot, like, there's some books where you get to, like, the three-quarters mark and it's like, all right, I have to read the rest of the book now. Like, it's just going. And this isn't quite that. Yeah. Like, it's still meandering a bit, even as, as it builds. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like the, there's a cliffhanger at the end, but the cliffhanger is that they got caught out of bed, not like yeah. they're in danger. Yeah. Like actual yeah, danger. No, it's, it's not it's... like somebody's falling off a building. Surprise, it's the end of a chapter. So next time we are going to wrap up book one, believe it or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we did talk about doing a wrap up episode though, right? Separately from next week. Yes. Yes. Next week is finishing the chapters and same format as we've been doing. And then we'll do a wrap up of the whole book. Yeah. So next time we will read the very lore heavy chapter, The Forbidden Forest, the very adventure chapter, Trapdoor, and the final chapter, The Man with Two Faces. Um, Which I always forget is the last chapter in I this know. book. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I keep thinking that there's going to be like a short chapter to end it, but there's not. It's just, that's just the last chapter. There isn't much left. No, that's it's a short book. And <laughs> next time we will probably also read um, something from Pottermore. Oh, yeah. you know what we're going to read? We're going to read the one on Coral. Yes, yeah, which we've been saving um, for the for the wrap up for the end. Yeah. Um, so we'll read that for next time so if you're if you're reading along um you can search for uh the wizarding world formerly pottermore uh professor coral page which is a solid page of writing oh boy but if you haven't read harry potter before please hold off until you finish the book (laughs) yeah finish the book then read that page (laughs) as we are doing any closing thoughts i think i'm all thought out i'm happy (laughs) Yeah, this was nice. A nice set of chapters, great things, fun things, cozy things, a dragon, Mm -hmm. like, hard to go wrong here. (laughs) What more could you ask for? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, Good work. Good work. All around. So thank you so much for reading along with us this week. We have been me, Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z. And you can find my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are found. I'm Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aradel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. And um, Aradel Grace on YouTube. Uh, I've been E. You can find me on Twitter at C-E-L-1-0-E. Also on Twitch and YouTube at that same username, although with the holiday season and end of semester, I am not streaming very much because life, life. You can follow the show at Potternot on Twitter and Tumblr, and you can find more music by our fantastic composer, Morgan Jackson, who did our theme music at wedidthetimewarpagain.bandcamp.com. We will put all the links that we mentioned in the show notes. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have yeah, a wonderful December. Happy if that's holidays. when you're listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.